0: Welcome back to the Glue Guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Hello. Check us out on Twitter at BK Guys. NetsDaily.com. Almighty Baller Radio. Brian, Mike, we just had a great conversation. Should I turn this thing off? <laughs> turn that thing off. Yeah, huh? we had a great conversation. Spencer Dinwiddie. I can turn it back on so that when I hit my baby boys, it comes in. Spencer Dinwiddie joined us on the pod today. It's Nets. A baby. Guard, that's <laughs> Guard Spencer woody That was a great conversation. He really played ball with the Dragon Ball Z thing. Yeah, we threw a Dragon Ball at him. I'm like, God. <laughs> <laughs>
1: all, right. all right, enough. Stunning.
0: Um, and uh yeah, so so he joined us for a good twenty-five minutes, and you'll hear that coming. Let's just let's just put that right here, like drop it here. All right, we'll just kind of hop into it. Let you know I am recording. We'll just kind of get into it overall. Are you an actual Dragon Ball Z fan, by the way? <laughs> yeah. Mike's yeah. going
1: he's going really hard on the Dragon Ball Z thing and it occurred to us he may not actually watch that show.
2: No, no, I actually am. Like I'm actually a real Dragon Ball Z fan. I'm caught up on every episode except for the most recent one, uh, this past Sunday, which I believe is episode ninety five. <laughs> um,
0: wow. wow, so you're better than us. Okay.
1: There we go. Yeah. No, we're gonna be now, now we're gonna look yeah. really dumb because all I know is I mean, I know a little Dragon Ball and a little Dragon Ball Z, no GT, and none of the super stuff.
0: Well, I mean... Really?
1: Yeah, I know. I'm useless.
0: Have you seen... Did you see the movie? Did you take yourself to the movie that starred the kid from uh, War of the Worlds? From, what was his name? From Chumbucket. From Chumbucket? <laughs> did you did you see, like, the Americanized oh, movie nah, version? Oh, nah, no,
2: nah, no, You talking about the one where they use real humans? I didn't go see that one.
0: Yeah, that looked terrible. But I played the video yeah. game with my little cousin... When he was eight years old. That movie was terrific. I don't know what you guys are talking about. So yeah, this is so Spencer Dinwiddie has joined us on the pod. Spencer, thank you for being with us today.
2: No problem. Thank you for having me.
0: Thanks, man. So uh we do want to get to some Dragon Ball Z or Dragon Ball, the overall Dragon Ball franchise. Yes. Uh but we also yeah. want to know a little bit about you and there's something that stood out immediately. This is actually in the Nets Daily article about you. Your SAT score. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about your SAT score? How you achieved <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah,
1: what was it? What was it like when you were in the test room? <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, I
2: was actually taking the test. I was young. I was going to my sophomore year. I was taking it to get into like this program, essentially. And um, I did well on it. And basically, I didn't have to take it again.
0: Did well on it. Tell people what you did. I mean, because Brian and I talked about what we did. Mike,
1: did you crack... Four digits? Did you even get? To crack to... four digits. Yeah, yeah. I got,
0: <laughs> I got a twelve sixty. In all honesty, twelve sixty. Not bad, Mike. What did you get, right I'm not saying. I'm not saying. Spencer, what, did, what was your score again? I think it's important. Uh, Fourteen. Fourteen. 14. Good lord. <laughs> a couple geniuses in the yeah. room. That's wow. amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so you're obviously a good basketball player, right? At this age. Yeah. And you get this pretty solid score. I'm sure colleges were just coming after you. Where were you looking? Like, well, I know where you ended up, but what, what schools were you looking at?
2: Oh, you talking about sophomore year? No, no, no. So sophomore year in college, I wasn't getting looked at. I mean, sophomore year in high school, sorry. I wasn't getting looked at um, like that. I didn't really start getting looked at until junior year. But um, my final list was Colorado, Harvard, Oregon, UCLA, and UNLV.
0: So how did you get to Colorado? What was the choice there?
2: I mean, it basically came down to Colorado and Harvard. And Colorado was in the Pac-12. and. Offered a higher level of basketball, and I wanted to be in the NBA, so I just kind of bet on myself in that situation.
0: Would you have been with Jeremy Lynn if? Are you guys? What's the age difference there? I forget. I think he's a little, he's nah, a little we, bit older.
2: He went to the draft right before I would have gone.
0: Did you do a recruiting visit at all with Jeremy, or was it just to check it out, or yeah, what? Yeah, no, I,
2: yeah, I went on a recruiting visit. My host was, I believe, Brandon Curry and Kyle Casey. I almost went. Uh, one of my childhood friends, Wesley Saunders, ended up actually going there. We were in the same uh, recruiting class, and his final three basically paralleled mine. It was his final three was Colorado, Harvard, and USC instead of UCLA. But he ended up choosing Harvard.
0: So we wanted to get a little nets here, but we also want to talk Dragon Ball Z. Talk yeah. a little bit about uh, well, first. I actually just yeah. wanted to like just, just say that in in like preparing
1: for this, I looked at the Twitter, and I think like you really inspired me. Your Twitter presence, I really appreciate. <laughs> because here's the thing: like I started out, <laughs> I, started out I started out. I'm not, I'm kind of new to Twitter. I'm not very good at it. And right when I like first got it. Like, I was like, oh, people are responding to me. I'll just respond back, you know? And, uh, and apparently that's not cool. That's not what you're supposed to do. It's uh, It means you're, like, too, I don't know, you know, status conscious or something. But, like, people were being, you know, just wrong. They were saying incorrect things. And, uh, you know, I just felt like, you know, we're... Just firing we're back not, at them? Not firing back. Just like, no, like, you took that out of context. Oh, <laughs> just, yeah, Brian. Just, just, I, mean, I don't like it when people are just like verifiably wrong, misrepresenting the <laughs> facts. You know what I'm saying? So, exactly. So, yeah. So, just saying, I really appreciate someone like you not letting stuff slide. That's that's what I want to be like. I don't have the confidence really to be like that quite yet. <laughs> <but> that's <laughs> what I aspire to be. Just wanted to say it. Hey, you just got to do it, man. I know. I know. I'm just going to do it from now. I'm like, I don't
0: care. I'm well, just going mean, to fire them off. What is it? So, you have something like over 50,000 followers. What is it? As a basketball player, what's the tweet activity that you're seeing? Is it after every game, are you just getting berated by an opposing team's fan base? What is it like having a Twitter account and also being an NBA player?
2: I mean, you usually actually, or at least in my experiences, granted, usually get more tweets from your current fan base, you know what I'm saying, than the opposing fan base. Unless, of course, you said something. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? If you said something that obviously was against the other team's fan base or the other team, then yeah, they're going to come to you. uh, I I had a tweet about KD sweeping or the Warriors rather probably sleeping the the Cavs. I think it was after game three, after he hit that shot and the Cavs Twitter fan base went nuts. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> they drugged me through the mud. I was like, look guys, I have nothing to do with you guys being down three. Like, oh, yeah. I'm sorry, but I'm just telling you what it is.
0: Yeah. I took it out on you. I mean, it's so funny. Like, So obviously we're a Nets podcast and we'll get into the littlest beef with Knicks fans. Like mm. one time, I said, "I think yeah, yeah it's always Mike and another beef. The, the yeah, Nets, the the Nets own own Mass and Squirt. Well, you do garden. it on it was like, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. And it just I'm not even hashtagging Knicks. I'm just nixing it out just as like a general, just but, general tweet into the. But you're being like hyperbolic on purpose, and it's stir, it like
1: stirs a certain kind of person that has no <laughs> sense, no sense of humor. Like it's they just so exciting. It is so <laughs> thrilling. These are the kind of guys that. that go to the games and they wear. Uh, like a Carmelo Anthony jersey <clears throat> with nothing underneath, just no shirt underneath. <laughs> that's, that's the kind of Spads
0: <laughs> are <They're> both- <laughs> real quick. I did want to ask you, um, you know. So you've been around the NBA a couple places already, and yeah, you know. So we we Nets watchers have what we're fed is sort of like you know the Nets do things a little bit differently, uh, the way they treat players and all of that. What have you? What is different about being on the Nets? What have you seen that's different from your time previously?
2: That that's tough I mean I will say that it's extremely different than uh the the two places I was prior hmm. um I don't know necessarily I mean but I know the nets obviously also play very close to the best like just in general so hmm. I don't know how much I'm really able to divulge i just <laughs> sure. you know what i'm saying no I'm I, that this is that's that's one of those things where like i I would love to tell you everything that that I can but that's one of those situations I don't, I don't yeah. know if I can but it's just the one of the biggest things though that that's been a, a big joy and this is once again not a shout out any place else it's just been a joy to work for them like they're great people they're really nice you know what I'm saying they have a, a great culture of development and, and still confidence in their young guys and so you know it's been it's been a pleasure and a joy to to be able to be a part of the organization
0: well and like we so we hear so i mean Atkinson was known as this sort of developmental genius coach right i mean that's what he was yep. brought in. what's a moment where you sort of Something may he may have taught you. I mean, he was a, a guard himself in college and I guess in Europe too. What is there anything that sticks out in terms of his coaching that you remember from that, you know, the months that you're with the team so far?
2: Um, just just how intelligent he is and how how diligent he is in terms of just like the film session and pointing things out and and how he recalls specific plays and things and just coming up to you potentially uh halftime or after the game, or whatever it is, and just being able to basically break down a play off the top of his head and, and being correct in um, his thoughts and like being able to really guide you and help you in, in that manner.
1: I was pouring over some, some YouTube footage of, of your game in preparation for this. Um, and so this actually occurred to me, um, there's, there's a certain play that you do very well. This one thing where you time a pick at the top of the three-point line and this is, like, a sort of popular... Thing. This is, like, like how people do the rip-through move. Right. You remember the... Yeah. Like, yeah. there So this is exactly... like <laughs> Yeah, so you're playing, like, to the ref kind of, and, like, there's a high pick that comes up, and you time it so that you take a three-pointer just as the screener comes, and, like, the guy's arm is, like, often just, like, jutting out just enough that you can eke out some context uh you, you know what i'm talking about <laughs> yeah yeah so, I, I, was, so America, I always think about this stuff like how did Brook lopez land on the on the rip move like how and like how did you land on that move and is that like a conscious thing or is that just like hey this is what like, working like or is that like a conversation that that players have with each other or like how how does that move like all of a sudden become a thing in the course of a season well,
2: basically all that happened was a couple of had done it to me like a couple of times i think it was like kyle lowry and like Mike Conley and yeah. somebody else, right? They they had done it to me and I was really frustrated. So I was like, I was telling my position coach, Adam Harrington and Will Weaver, I was like, I'm not fouling them. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And they're like, fuck, they're calling it so it don't really matter.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and
2: I was really mad and they were like, why don't you just try to do it back to me? Yeah. Like I did it once and it worked. And then I was like, okay, yeah. How can I duplicate that? So I watched it and then it was just kind of, it's, it's much more of a timing thing than anything. Right. And, and it requires the deepest being out of position and then trying to overcompensate to, to get back in the position. You know what I mean? So if you're out of position and then you try to move extremely fast yeah. or, or try to take a sharper angle or whatever it may be to get back in the position and I stop. Yeah. And, and the odds that you run into me are, are fairly high. So it's, it's all about pretty much getting your defender out of position and then simultaneously knowing you, where you are on the court and judging his movement. Because some people get out of position and they reach or they do whatever from behind, but they're not – their goal is to get back in front. So you have to judge if this person is moving too fast for him to stop because, once again, if he's going slow, he can stop. When you stop, And it, I mean, it's, it's probably a lot more complicated than I'm making no. it actually sound. But, yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much all it is. I just try to get him out position, come off the pick and roll clean. And if they're trying to overcompensate and rush, like, up – up uh, like my back, then I just stopped and shoot it.
1: So, okay, follow-up to this. I feel like I'm remembering a moment where it was either Jeremy Lin or Randy Foy had successfully done the same exact thing, huh. and, and you, like, like uh, reacted to it as if, like, you had maybe taught them that move. Is there, like, a conversation like that going on in the background?
2: Yeah, so... Yeah, I knew me and Jeremy actually had a conversation in one of the games. I was like... And we were in Orlando. I forget who was actually guarding them. I mean, obviously, it was probably their other point guards. But... Yeah, they, they were just pursuing extremely hard off the pick and roll. And he was like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? They hit me, they bummed me, whatever. And I was like, bro, just stop. Yeah. Just like after you cross them over, after you <laughs> use whatever move you're doing, after you beat them, just stop yeah. and shoot it. Yeah. And he's like, I don't know, man. I tried it once and I traveled. I was like, trust me. Yeah. They're pursuing so hard. Just said to yourself, just stop and shoot the three as if nobody's there and you're trying to make the shot. And he did it. He stopped He shot the three. Obviously, he got hit. He, uh, he missed, I think. Right. But he got the three free throws. So, I was just really happy. Yeah. So, I was like, just, just, just look. Just had a confidence to just stop and shoot it as if nobody else is in the gym. Yeah. And when they run into your back, you're going to get three free throws.
1: That seems and you make me, it a four. That seems to be the theme of this podcast. I just got to have more confidence because I, I want
0: to add that to my <laughs> game this summer. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Speaking of adding something to your game, oh. very nice, Brian. Wow, what is Spencer doing? What are you working on this summer?
2: <laughs> um. I mean mostly I mean I actually have a tweet about this. Mostly just off the dribble three. You know what I'm saying? Off the mm-hmm. pick and roll and then transition as well. I mean that's the way the game's going. I shot obviously a career high from three last year. Um, I shot pretty well from catch and shoot and just continue to improve. Um, because it makes it makes everything uh that much more dangerous. I feel like I'm one of the more athletic guys in the league in terms of just obviously total well not athletic guys, sorry, athletic point guards, sorry, mm-hmm. in the league. And um, I mean the 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 more my range extends, the
0: quicker I become. All right, so let's 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 just get into the fun part here. So we do this game here on the Glue Guys called Killer Comparisons, which is basically we take um, sort of a, a random thing out there, like um, Star Wars characters, and we compare them to NBA players. So I thought we wanted to bring yeah. you into the fold a little bit, and we're going to do Dragon Ball Z characters um, and comparing them to to NBA players. So. Basically, okay. we have a list of guys. We have. I'll, I'll just shout them out to you, and then I'll, we'll go through each of them well, together.
1: Now, our, our list seems real safe now, because like we should have gotten very obscure players. I mean, characters. I
0: try to go obscure, but the thing is, the, the personalities on them are less enjoyable than the big ones. Fair. So, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to go through the list. We're going to start with Piccolo. Okay? <laughs> now, so... <laughs> Brian, what would be your answer for Piccolo if you can kind of teach Spencer what, what we do here? So
1: Okay. <laughs> Here's what we do. Here's our bread and butter. Uh, yeah. No, so Piccolo, right? The character.
0: Grumpy. Grumpy. Um Distant.
1: Uh, yeah. Well, don't put too many negatives on it because I'm...
0: Strong. Strong. Yeah. So then what, what NBA yeah. player would be that, right? Yeah,
1: but he's also like a strategist. <laughs> he's, you know? a strategist. Yeah. Right. he's a strategist, right? He's he's like... It's, Gr- it's, it's, grumpy, distant, and strong? Nah, I mean, I wouldn't...
2: I wouldn't go grumpy and distant, but in terms of like a like an OG who who has a lot of knowledge and strong and kind of holds stuff down, I'll go Joel Anthony.
1: Wow,
0: Joel Anthony, that's really good. Oh, wow, really I was good. just going with the negatives, and I said Darren Williams.
1: What? Oh, jeez. come on. No, nah, okay. so,
0: <laughs> I went. I went Tim Duncan. I went with
1: mostly the OG thing.
0: Oh, yeah, that makes more sense.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Not. Yeah, Tim but, Duncan would have been
0: a go. Why you say Joel Anthony? I like that, though. That's a real obscure NBA player. What about Joel Anthony? Well, like- he,
2: I, I don't know Tim Duncan personally, so that's probably why
0: uh-huh.
2: he didn't jump out, just because I don't know if he's super piccolo in terms of like his actual personality. Right. You know
1: what I mean? But so you do know Joel Anthony, and you know for a fact that he's super piccolo as a personality. Yeah, he's pretty, pretty piccolo.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, this one's an easy one. Uh, Vegeta. All right. Um, classic Dragon Ball Z character. If you don't know who he is, he was a villain who turned good but always had resentment towards our sort of hero Goku. Who is the Vegeta of the NBA, Spencer Dinwiddie?
2: Spencer Dinwiddie.
0: No, no, I'm saying no, not you. <laughs> I'm saying who would who who would you pick? Who would it be? Who uh, no, who's a Vegeta?
2: Was, I, was really, I was really picking myself. I like, my favorite character
1: that's that's a, that's a fine answer. I'll accept that. Well, I put down LeBron mostly because of the conflicting good, good and evil thing. You know, like right—that's the sort of media spin on his whole situation. But I think it, I think it applies.
2: Well, see, I would, I would have more went KD. Oh, that's guy. what
0: I said, Spencer. Very good. Gave Mike such a hard well, yeah, time. Why do you say KD?
2: Why do I say KD? Just because. If so, remember, LeBron now has been the sympathetic figure since like the whole mm-hmm. team up, right? But KD has been the guy that everybody's kind of turned on and said he was this side of the third, whether it be weak or a traitor or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But don't and he still kind of had that, still kind of had to put on that facade of being like I don't care? Yeah. You know what I'm saying?
1: But don't you think LeBron's arc has like, or at least Vegeta's arc? Like, sure, he's like sort of an anti-hero throughout the whole thing, but you do, you know, inevitably start
0: rooting for him. You know, as he's yeah, it's the I, it's you know the classic sort of uh, I guess really Han Solo's not Vegeta Jesus. but there no but it's it's the you root root for the bad guy you root for the guy who's more interesting the good guy exactly. Super, Superman's not interesting Batman's interesting because no, there's a darkness
2: yeah well exactly and because Superman depending upon how he's written can't be beat you know what I mean right so, yeah and and also because I guess LeBron has a, a I guess by most standards because everybody compares people to with Michael Jordan it would be a subpar finals uh, record
1: mm-hmm. in which
2: case Vegeta ought to be like one of the most powerful dudes but can never
0: actually close the deal and then Goku comes in and actually wins. See wow. Spencer,
1: Spencer coming through and just crushing
0: my argument for me. Um, so the next one's difficult we had trouble with this one. Goku. Um, yeah I actually don't even have an answer for this. So who's the Goku of the NBA?
2: If we're keeping it on the, on the finals path right and we've kind of got two quasi-Vegetas and the only person who is basically spotless never gets in trouble regardless of their performance you know what i'm saying yeah. like it's step
0: yeah yeah that's what i thought cuz it's goku is not he's obviously like great fantastic all that but he's he's as he's a spotless he's kind of clean cut um he i i even compared him to the superman captain america thing it's like he's just sort of like a really great whatever fighter but then it's sort of just kind of boring um, not that Steph's boring on the court, but just his, is he's very, oh geez, you're going to get everyone in trouble. Like. He's just very down the middle. No mm. one, no one, no one's yeah. going to hate Steph. Yeah. But, it, but he's the Goku. So let's go to Goku's son, Gohan. Uh, Gohan is the son of Goku. And what his description is, he lacks passion for fighting and prefers to do so only when the need to defend his loved ones arises. Um, I said Gohan is Carmelo Anthony. Uh, because cool. and I say that because he I, I appreciate Carmelo. We both went to Syracuse and so I have some affinity towards Carmelo, but Carmelo's not exactly um one track mind of I gotta win, I gotta win, I gotta win. He lacks a passion for fighting for a championship. And I think that's but, that's but, going but he often
1: on. rises to the occasion when he's like playing a big game like, like against LeBron, he does very well.
0: Yeah, he and team USA. He's right. defending his ah, loved, his nice loved system. ones. Man. Um, when he's put in a situation oh. around other strong warriors, he succeeds. <laughs> you're not gonna let us get any chances to respond to this like, You're <laughs> not gonna get Sp- Spencer. That, not- that
2: was actually that was actually a, a pretty great analogy. Yeah. I mean it, the only the only thing about like picking dudes that I don't actually know is like I don't know know yeah. You know what I'm saying? Sure. So it's like so it's always different, like when you actually know somebody. But I mean, I, I would roll with that description for the most part. I mean Done you know me? I mean it sounded,
0: it, sounded, it sounded good when you made your argument.
1: And that's podcasting, I Spencer.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's you just have to make a decent argument for thirty seconds. There's, that, there's that you only win. there's only
1: one correct answer for this next one. Do for, you wanna go, do you wanna launch it off? Well I'm gonna it's mostly a quiz for, for Spencer. Uh, Frieza. Who do we think is the Frieza of the NBA? Frieza, right. Super evil. Yeah, just like incredibly evil. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like I feel like he's like just a destructive force, you know. There's like a um, one-man wrecking crew. One-man wrecking crew. Who
2: was probably the most demonstrative guy that was like uber talented?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, i might like go for Rasheed Wallace.
0: Oh wow. wow, I like that. I, yeah, like yeah, we should open
1: it up to the old cards, I, yeah.
2: Or 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 are we or are we going like Draymond Green? Also, oh, Dray- good.
0: Draymond would be good too. I think Draymond's also. Well, Draymond's not really a Piccolo, but he's he's got that sort of attitude of, and anal- he he a, a he's cr- also tactical. Perhaps more um, of a Krillin could be a Krillin. <laughs> oh. Um, oh. <laughs> who's the Krillin, Spencer? <laughs> <laughs> Who no, I is- can't
1: do it. You're gonna get him some trouble. Well, I think the real correct answer is <clears throat> Russell Westbrook for Frieza, and not that he's like his personality is evil or whatever, but just like. You know he's a, a point guard, but doing it all on his own. Freeze is pretty small. Yeah. You know. I don't know okay. It's just physical. It's just a physical thing for me.
2: Okay, I get. It. I, I get the tie in with with the two since.
1: Yeah.
0: Technically speaking, they're both not like obviously seven foot. So. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, I didn't even see your answer. This is great. <laughs> all right, the last one for you is. Uh, do you know? I don't know how to pronounce his name, Mister Satan or Satan. Satan. Um, Spencer, are you familiar with this <laughs> character?
2: <laughs> the the. the Everybody thinks it's nice, but but it really ain't.
0: Yeah, yeah. So he's the TV personality oh, who acts like he's the strongest person in the world, um, but he, he he is no he's he's a clown essentially.
1: Oh man, who would that
0: be, Spencer? Like you can't set it up like that. Jeez,
1: come on now, man. That's uh, crazy. That's, that's yeah. wild. Don't answer that.
0: Uh, no, Spencer, you can you can dive into it. Oh, okay. I, I love this guy, so I'm going to say I do, I love this guy first off, but he's sort of a Levar Ball is becoming him, right? I mean, I love Levar Ball, I love what he's doing. I just think it's genius. If you hadn't said clown right before it, it would have <laughs> yeah gone over better. But I think Levar, in I term, mean, what is that?
2: I will say this. I will say this in terms of not actually being able to fight the battles that he creates. Mm-hmm. That, that's a that's a great comparison. It's pretty good.
0: And he even in the show the guy the character talks about being the best fighter in the world, like LeVar Ball saying he is better than Michael Jordan yeah. and would take Michael Jordan? Michael Jordan. Right. You should
1: see how <laughs> how proud Mike is right now, He's in his face for coming up with all this.
0: Spencer, can you beat Michael Jordan one on one? Right now, of course. (laughs) Yeah, okay. See, and I think that's – and someone asked um, Lonzo Ball that, and he said the same thing, and people were mad about that. And I'm thinking, like, no, of course – like, mid-20s NBA prospect is going to do that.
2: Yeah, he's like 50. (laughs) I mean, here's that he'll probably challenge into a one-on-one game, but I'm just saying, like, why would I not think right now that – first off, I mean, you got to remember, too, the psychology of everybody in the NBA, all 450 to 500 of us, however many there are. Mm Mm-hmm. We all think we're all the best player. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, if, if, if you go ask anybody, you know I'm saying, if you ask Jeremy Lin, can he beat, you know what I'm saying, I don't know, whoever one-on-one, he's gonna say yes. If you ask that other person, he's gonna say yes. Like, that's just kinda the psychology of, of who we are. We're not gonna concede, or at least 90% of us aren't gonna concede to anybody. So, I believe I can beat anybody in one-on-one. Mm-hmm.
0: That's why I always hate the question, like, so Joe, the classic Joe Flacco question, are you elite? It's like, what are you supposed to say? You know, like, how are you going to answer that question that's going to be, are you supposed to say, no, I'm not elite, or I'm just getting better, what? I guess, is the best way to say it, but it's not, what, what are you supposed to do yeah, in that the, situation?
2: The other thing, too, is, remember, this is all a matter of perspective. What is elite? Mm-hmm. Is elite 450 out of 7 point whatever billion, or is elite 10? out of seven point mm-hmm. whatever billion. Like, what, what is elite to you? Right. You know what I'm saying? like, nice. so I don't know.
0: Perfect. He's well, you've picture. been an elite podcast guest. Nicely done. Like, here today, Spencer. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining Thank us. You. Have a good off season, and we'll see you coming around next season for the Brooklyn Nets. No doubt. Thank you very much, Pat. Thanks, man. Thanks, man.
1: All right. That was our podcast with Spencer Dinwiddie.
0: Nice. Was that good? That was great. Okay. Uh, thank you again, Spencer, for joining us. Yeah. It's very uh, generous with his time.
1: Um, Mike, did you read the Stefan Bondi thing? The Stefan?
0: I did, of course. So if you haven't read it, it is uh, a rehashing it's of sorts. its rounds, really.
1: Which I can't... It's, it's kind of...
0: I mean, it makes sense that it would happen, you
1: know, now that we're giving up this very valuable pick, and it's going to be... God, are they going to just... Go in on that for days and days after that pick happens. Um, so prepare next If you don't Nets remember, <laughs> here, here, let's flash forward to Thursday. Uh-huh. If you
0: don't remember, this pick came via this deal. Yeah. From Garden and Pierce. Yeah, thank, thank you for uh, reminding. But, uh, I, so I read it, of course. Yeah. To not, be honest. Not a whole lot of new stuff in there, to be honest. Billy King. Let's did, be honest. Billy King did not play ball, obviously. He didn't even play ball in the sense that you could tell he was not even one of the sourced people within it. Yeah. Um, <coughs> Bobby Marks, who, friend of the pod, joined us. To have talked about you know the NBA before uh, He put his name to everything He took some blame yeah. For it, saying he was in the room And he did not veto it um, I thought it was interesting that Avery Johnson Got some love for the fact that he would have vetoed Not yeah, vetoed, but he would have He would have said a, a no vote But then he also would
1: have like vetoed the Devin Harris trade Which you know, I don't know. I mean, in retrospect, sure, he was right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so hard to, hard to knock him for that. But if he had, if I had found out at the time that he had vetoed trading Derek Favors and Devin Harris for Darren Williams, I'd have been livid, Mike. Right. I would have written him a very strongly worded email. But he was right. He was right.
0: Um, I am, so the thing that really stood out to me, and it's not like something we did not know, is the fact that Darren Williams was really just, uh, the center of the problems with this team yeah. from the beginning, that Garnett and Pierce were unsatisfied with Darren being the lead dog in the situation that that it was obvious that he did not he well, wasn't ready for it. Bry, you know
1: what the the article like wanted to be about, but ultimately couldn't be about. Sure, which is that so it had it had put more emphasis on the Paul Pierce trade being traded to Washington. Or being, uh, not getting a contract, I guess, for the Nets after the price going way down to five million. Right. Apparently. Yeah. Um, and why did that happen? Who was responsible for that decision? What were those conversations like? Seem to remain a mystery to everybody still to this day. Um, and that's the big, you know, I guess that's the big turning point because the plan was be kind of good at the very least for three years. So yeah. leading into 2016, 2017, where you could get the bump from the, TV money and Do you think
0: so I still think that's that's a rewrite of history. Yeah, I thought so too at the time to
1: be honest with you.
0: Because I'm sure they they knew that the TV contract was coming up. They they could not have known when they made that trade that the TV contract would be as big as it is. Are you
1: sure about that
0: though? Yes, 100%. Because no one knew.
1: Well, I know that there was conversations no one to do a like you know, an incremental, not a drop of 45% uptick over the course of one summer. Like, they were thinking about doing, like, why don't we roll out 10% every year or something? Oh, no, yeah. yeah. There,
0: there's that. But I think, I think it's a little bit of a, again, it's a rewriting history of the fact that, like, the grand scheme of things that they knew there's going to be a spike in salary cap. So let's just build a super team right now that is going to age. And then we're immediately going to become an attractive destination for free agents. And then I knew that that's what they wanted to do. But I think <clears> the, they could not have anticipated the spike in South and TV. Not sure,
1: just that, not that, possible. That that, that that summer, that that three-year like time period was was so keyed in on couldn't be possible. They,
0: they could not have known ESPN would be Are you so sure desperate. They have known is there is there some back channel they could have There's, had access to? Who would they have had access to? Then every other is team Kushner involved that the Thunder didn't have access to when they traded James Harden because they couldn't control they didn't want to pay extra 4 million dollars whatever it was kushner yeah it's kushner yeah. kushner's properties yeah. property manager at russia oh i see what you're saying there well he's just sitting at Ru- yeah. he's russia, setting up back with channels with russians with russians yeah um, i thought it was a good one um yeah it's depressing um <laughs> we're at the nba draft a draft that they have to keep why do they have to keep the parentheses around Now the number one pick via the Nets. Yeah, they really do we do we not know that at this point is there not a soul on earth that cares about the NBA draft that knows at this point yes that pick is via the Nets. They should have Markel Folds
1: show up in a Nets uniform and have him take it off and then put the suit on when he (laughs) and and the other person sat on. Does he have to?
0: (laughs) Does the pick is the the pick declared as the Nets pick like the lottery? How we have to send a lottery representative even though you know the person doesn't matter.
1: These, these are the bricks like this is these are the kind of hardships we have to endure
0: um, we are going to do a special pod literally at not at the draft we won't be there but the after the first round we're going to start potting together- mm-hmm. so you'll have a fresh pod probably right as the draft ends and it's obviously Friday morning it'll be up on netsdaily.com you'll, you'll hear us our takes of the draft general impressions for me I think they're going to get more than they're going have more than two first round picks this year. There's going to be a third first-round pick acquired via some means, and it's not Brooke Lopez. Mm-hmm. Something's going to happen. They're going to do something. There's going to be some salary dump. There's too many teams. It could even be the Lakers trading that. Like I think they have the Cavs pick for this year, trading that pick with wu well, Dang Deng mm. in a salary dump. I don't know if the Dents are that desperate, but they're, they're, they're going to get another first-round pick, and I'm so excited for this draft, Brian. It's a bold prediction, Mike. I love couple of guys do you and i can't really say any of their names but i love them both which ones possedniks yeah seven foot two three-point shooter latvian sounds good to me semi ojelia mm-hmm. can't really say his last name from smu absolutely love him brian have you have you read about this guy yeah i have um we've talked about him at some length and I'm, I'm wait I'm, what is smu again I can't. southern methodist university yeah. it's for i think it's outside dallas yeah or in dallas to be honest so like so what happens with the draft, I don't know if the way you, you analyze this stuff. I don't watch any of their basketball clips. Mm. Rarely. I just look at three point shooting, wingspan, max vertical. You just look at those just look at those things. <laughs> and that's what you put that's all semi, you semi. Yeah. It's actually I think it's shemi. Yeah. Whatever. It's semi.
1: I did notice a, a you know a, a pretty noticeable lack in peripheral statistics where it comes to semi not a whole lot of assists not a whole lot of steals sure.
0: blocks those aren't
1: important from your, your he <laughs> can shoot
0: threes and he's a big dude from your wing player. like on hey
1: if we're building a system here Mike there's a certain kind of statistical output you're going to need from every position you know you can't have
0: you're right. I just love him. I think I think there's a lot there. And hey, look, I'm not allegedly A plus personality too. You um, gotta always got to have A plus personalities. <clears throat> I watched some uh,
1: Justin Jackson clips last night. I know he's like positioned to what go like thinking? 15. Well, I had to like I was thinking about you know what if they trade up into the mid. There's nobody. There's only centers and power forwards for the most part in like that 10 to 20 meaty chunk yeah, of the of the first round. And then Justin Jackson, who's like kind of the perfect. Alan crabbish kind of
0: player for what
1: we're doing, except
0: That's an interesting yeah. Yeah. He does have that that element to his game.
1: Yeah, he's just you know, line drive three is but you know, he's he's adding skills. He's line drive three line drive threes, line drive threes and, and floaters, which is you know, if you got a floater, that's a natural skill
0: that you can't really practice for and that's a it's a huge, huge bonus. And I feel but I feel like with this, with the Nets they're almost gonna do the thing where they're gonna do the thinking too hard. Type thing. Mm. I love what Marks has done. Don't get me wrong. I just think they're not going to go the obvious. So Justin Jackson went to U- UNC, yeah. national champion, best player, you know, yeah. in the ACC. Almost too obvious for this team. Right. Lavert was not obvious. Isaiah Whitehead, I guess. Ten, I mean, because he's from you know Brooklyn and C yeah. Hall, but he, even that pick was still a strange pick. I just feel like they're gonna they're gonna get that you know Jonah Bolden. Mm-hmm. You've been reading about him. He yeah. was. I think he's Australian. He went to UCLA and then right. he dropped out of UCLA. Then went to Europe to play basketball, and now he's the best young player in the Adriatic League. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's like that's a Bro- that's a Brooklyn yeah. Nets guy, right? That's a Marks.
1: Guy. They need some mileage for for Marks. Yeah, yeah. Th- there just has to be Terrence it's Ferguson flyer. Miles. Nets guy.
0: Yeah. Uh, high school all American. I'm going to go to Australia. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah. There's just th- it's not going to be traditional because yeah. that's just they they want to. I think there's some belief that like if we want to be different and smart we got to be different and smart yeah and we got to draft outside well, this the norm is what I
1: was thinking about too like in terms of draft strategy you know you i would i was thinking like theoretically no time like the present to just go all in on future investments that don't really you don't need a return on investment anytime soon so just stash sure. everything and that's a very it's like a very sam hanky wave of, of handling the situation i think you know and and you might not want to have, over specialize in anyone like so because you will need to like make small improvements you know and if you're just if all of your like players are overseas doing other things that's what does that say to the current players what does that say to the you know well current players will love it because they're, <laughs> they <laughs> have <laughs> no competition <laughs> yeah right sure um, but like it's I mean you could add some value like for example Justin Jackson I think if you had if you somehow got a player like that through whatever means necessary, that's a person that would actually maybe help you right out of the gate. It would. You know? He would. Um, whereas, you know, if you're getting a Hartenstein or – I, I can't know, do – yeah, yeah,
0: know. but but I can't. I can't even do Hartenstein. You can't Har- do Hartenstein. Hartenstein bothers me so much because – so I think what's interesting about him is that – and I, I've written a piece for Nets Daily that I hope will be up uh, on Wednesday. I still have to talk to Net Income about that. Um, Hartenstein is like you read what you believe he is. A seven-footer who can shoot, okay, so, and he's athletic. So you're like, oh, that's who he is.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: When you actually look at his shooting statistics, mm. he, shoots, he shot like 27% from three, maybe. He's got a very he's,
1: small sample size.
0: But, but if, he, if we're supposed to believe that he can shoot, mm-hmm. he should have shown that he can shoot. <laughs> you you want to be one of those guys that shoots like five times and it's like 60%. There, well, there's like, yeah, I love those yeah. guys. Extrapolate those statistics. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. There's some, there's something that we do during the draft where we assume because something somebody does something a lot that they're good at it. Harden's mm-hmm. Hardenstein, not that he shoots a lot because he really has never played. But when he has shot the ball, it hasn't been going in. So I don't know why we decide that he he is a shooter. The guy's 19. He's played in
1: the handful of games professionally. And I also think it's lazy. I think
0: it's Chris Fleming. Chris Fleming. <laughs> if you don't be... know, Chris Fleming's the Nets assistant coach. And he's the German national team coach. Mm-hmm. I think it's kind of lazy that they would just be like shoot through. They would just. Well, that's a very get old school.
1: Him. That's like a very Hoosiers um, mentality. Uh, what? Like, <laughs> I remember like if you've ever watched a basketball game with a person that's like. Over seventy, they think very little of a of a shooting a three. They think that they've been taught that that's like oh, a, sure. <laughs> a lazy way of playing basketball. That that's like you're taking the I, easy way
0: out. Uh, what's the Barkley thing against the Warriors that like a jump shooting team can't win the championship? Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's like, this is yeah. <laughs> there's a whole the basketball? generation
1: of, of not just only until multi generation just, just Gen X and and up is the only people that started thinking let's shoot some threes here. If you didn't li- if you didn't watch Dragon Ball Z, you you don't. You don't think three point? Probably shooting. not. Probably yeah. not. Uh, but no, it was like I'm like I think it was beaten into their heads. Like shooting a three is for it's a weak. It's for people that don't want, don't want to expend the energy, you well, know, to get like, to close to the
0: rim. The guys who were roll roll like Steve Kerr, the Steve Kerrs, the, the role player three point shooters were looked down upon. Yeah, it was like yes. oh that's all you. Yes, that's all you can do. Yes. When now it's all we hear about.
1: Yeah, there's a couple now and again. There'll be a couple of players that really highlight that role, and he gets they get all like Steve Novak gets all of the yeah, ire of yeah. the NBA for being that guy to this day. I'll
0: give you one name that I really want Nets fans to look out for, and I think there's been some building buzz for him. Cameron Oliver from Nevada. All he does is shoot threes and dunk the ball. He's mm. six nine. That's what we do. That's what we do D, in Brooklyn. Athletic, allegedly not not the best basketball IQ or some baloney. Yeah. Whatever did he, he? All he does is dunk and shoot threes, and that's all I want. Here's what I'm
1: c- control F for when I'm when I'm looking through these profiles. I'm looking for the word upside. Yes, I'm looking for. Uh, I'll even go with, like troubled. You know, it comes at a cost. Like, give give me that. Look, depends <laughs> the trouble. Trouble <laughs> can yeah. be immature. Yes, yeah, I'm fine with t- with incurring <laughs> a lot of that risk. You know, cr- criminal record has mur- <laughs> has killed someone in the past. Fine, get him in yeah, here.
0: Let's <laughs> get get <laughs> him in if he can dunk the ball.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I like that killer instinct.
0: Red flags. The reason why these guys fall. Yeah. Um, real quick, I want to get your opinion on this. Harry Giles, if he's there at 22.
1: Well, he's been really uh, shooting up the ranks. The last time I checked Draft Draft Express, he was like, I think like eight, 16 or 18 or something. Yeah. Um,
0: I've seen him as high as 12,
1: I think. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think like he that. was higher too. Um, gosh. Gosh, I don't know. i am
0: not I'm not good at this. I think so. Yeah. I think you got to take him, right? Yeah. He's a former number one prospect that the, the year that everyone saw him play basketball was his worst year physically. Yeah. So, you know, the, the Nets always talk about their training staff, and I think Dr. Williams is his name or something yeah. or whatever. And, you know, if, if you believe that his medical reports are fine enough, yeah, I think you have to take – as long as they're not – disgustingly horrible as long yeah. as it doesn't just show like spaghetti inside of his knee at this yeah. point um yeah. i i think you got to do it if he's there at 22 the nets have to take him just be, just by the value proposition of the fact that it's a former number 1 over prospect who has size and skill and had athleticism you have to take him you
1: yeah. know what i have realized about myself is that like like when you do just like what you did and pose this all right you got to make a decision I'm no good at that. Like I would be a very bad <laughs> to leader.
0: together. You see, my wife and I I'm, tonight. You know what
1: I am? I'm like the consigliere. Okay, like I can present the arguments for all, but when oh. it comes to making the decision, I leave it to the Don. You know, I, I got to give it's it to the Don. It's not your territory. No, no. You can't pressure. Don't consigliere put in the
0: corner. Consigliere, <laughs> don't do it. Um, I'm super excited for the draft because I think again, I think something's going to happen. The Nets are going to make some move. The Thaddeus Young deal was a strange, out of the out of the blue type deal for this team there's enough teams like there's the Portland possibilities with their multiple first round picks and not wanting to have them all. Uh, if you don't know, if you listen to our net income interview, it, it's pretty clear that the Portland financially, it doesn't make sense for them to take all three picks. Yeah. Um, there's the Lakers possibility where the, if they do want Paul George, they actually have to clear cap space right. and the, they have dang and Mozgov and the wall. I want neither of those guys on this team. That's an important thing. Yeah. And there's a, couple of other teams that may be angling for, um, you know, like, I don't know about the Miami, Miami Heat situation, but if they're going to try to get Blake Griffin or Gordon Hayward, there's maybe a reason why they may need to clear some cap space. And mm-hmm. if they, if the Nets could get Miami Heat's pick, which I think is like 12 or 14, 14 probably, um, it, take take whatever crappy contract the Heat want just for that 14th pick and then you're in a in an interesting conversation at that point. 14's a better barrier to be at. Uh,
1: yeah. I'm excited, man. What do you say? You got news around the league? Do you want to talk about the rumor mill churning about Paul George to the yeah. Cavs? Yeah. Let's do uh, news around the league. Do we have a... Oh, you want a little... It's the news! Ah! All right. Go. Go. Do it live. Do live. I'm all right. are doing
0: live. News around the league there. Um, so real quick, this, this is breaking as we're talking. Whoa. Uh, the Cavs and GM David Griffin have parted ways. And Chauncey Billups is emerging as a candidate. Credit to ESPN and Woj for mm. those two bombs. Um, that is super interesting, obviously, because there's been rumors of David Griffin maybe wanting to leave. There's an idea that he was a candidate for the Magic job, but they hired the Bucks staff to do that. Um, I don't. Obviously, we don't know what it means. It's interesting that Chauncey Billups mm-hmm. would be the, the, the head and shoulders favorite <laughs> because. I saw Chauncey on TV. He was fine. Yeah, he was. He's known to be a, a smart guy. But it's interesting that they would go basically Tyron Liu, no experience head coach, and then they would go Chauncey Billups, no experience general manager. Um, yeah, is there? I'm sure it, it would not surprise me if there's some kind of Leon Rose connection between Chauncey Billups.
1: Well, I wonder if they're worried about doing a little bit of. Um like lebron james placating going into the offseason just just to hedge their bets like i wonder if there's some like oh for sure like lebron's just like hey i like chauncey better than our guy than our current guy and it's uh, that simple yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. but like it's just a it's a i guess a shocking move and we'll see how the developments change nice mike um the the bigger developments that we can actually have, see a tangible thing of is the boston celtic sixer swap of course if you haven't yeah. heard the Sixers have the number 1 pick and the Celtics have the third pick.
1: But all the details haven't emerged from that. Have they yet? It's so weird. Yeah, how does that happen? The like NBA the, is important, the, strangest cr- the important the important details of like why someone trades or like what what those other picks are, what the, I
0: don't know. Well, yeah, we don't know. I mean, I don't I don't know if officially yet. We don't for sure. We believe it's it's the Sixers give up Lakers pick next year if it's between 2 and 5 or then they give up the Kings pick in 2019, the Kings pick unprotected. That's likely to be a pretty good pick. Um, I was speaking to a Boston Celtics fan of mine. Oh? Frustration. They are frustrated? They are frustrated. Ha. <laughs> yeah. well, ask me if Too I many care. picks. <laughs> <laughs> They're frustrated. Oh, are they, are it, they frustrated? It's the constant uh, not going for it all thing. Oh, Jesus. And you can't go for it all. You losers. You second tier losers. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming. I'm, I, I think it's a huge, massive mistake. By the Celtics to Massive. take Fultz. You think he's he's all that? I think he's all that and a bag of chips. Yeah. I think uh, Josh Jackson is not all he's going to be cracked up to be. I think he's just basically Jalen Brown 2.0.
1: Well, you know they've it hasn't gone lost on many people that they haven't drafted particularly well. Sure, they've they've done very well for themselves trade wise, but like who who uh, who of their draft prospects? I mean, Avery Bradley
0: is you know panned out, uh, but other than that. Marcus Smart's okay. Marcus Smart's Terry Rozier is yeah. like whatever. Like and the funny thing is, so like you'll you'll watch you, if you read the articles about the Celtics about who they have to denounce and rights to get to a max pick. One of them is James Young, which was everyone was so excited when they got him. Yeah. Bill Simmons almost cried on camera when they got him. Is that right? Yeah, he had the, this shocked face moment strange. on the NBA draft. What a strange man. Um, so like, what's happening is all these picks that they accumulated that they have have accumulated over the years are all getting thrown away basically. So it's sort of like I think like I think Tyler Zeller is also just going to be thrown away this year. That was another pick that or whatever whatever Zeller brother they have. Um, that's just another pick that they had that they're just throwing away at this point. So yes, they accumulate assets but I just you're, if you're just going to trash them all in the back end mm-hmm. then they're not worth all that much right. That's how they're not getting over the hump like <laughs> boo hoo. Last news alert in the league story? Shoot. New study out, Oh. yoga is good for your back. <laughs> what
1: do you think about that one, Rob? Um,
0: that is blowing my mind. I've never heard that <laughs> before. I saw it on every local TV channel today. Really? Yoga is good for your back.
1: Oh, my Lord. What are we doing here? Slow day. That's a slow day. What are we doing here? I do a little stuff. I have a couple moves. What's happening? I do um, snake, snake pose, cobra pose. I don't know. It's a snake thing. It's basically just lay on your stomach and then you push push up. It's like getting into a push-up position without any tension in the legs. Oh, okay. And you just kind of, you know. Oh, yeah. That feels really good. For the back. <laughs> <laughs> it's not difficult. It's a stretch, mostly. I don't even know if it's yoga at the time. I don't think it's do yoga. It. I just think it's a stretch. Man, I miss going to the uh, physical therapist. PT is the best. Really? Oh, it's like a light workout with a massage.
0: Like, that's, <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's what I need. I don't want anything too physical on either end of the spectrum. Light massage, light workout. Perfect. That's what I need. Um, do we have email? You know we do, but the, honestly, they've collected too much dust at this point. I feel bad, but okay. we might have to bury them.
0: All right. Well, we'll get at you. So here's what you need to do. You need to listen to our pod after the draft. We'll be recording it. Oh, we could we could do like live tweeting like during the thing, right? We can
1: like people are people, like we'll start. What with, are you thinking? Let's start like literally right after the twenty seventh pick, and then yes. we'll just be like, hey, we're live. Tweet at us, email us, whatever. We'll answer your talk about you live, or we could maybe even do callers in. I don't know. Can yeah, we get crazy.
0: Callers in may be tough. We've been trying I'm to sure figure out callers. Oh, we, could, colors figure, well, in we for, could figure it out. We'll figure something. Out. The thing we, yeah, we'll figure it out. But, but Google Voice things. But we'll we'll be live. These are we during like have our the production draft, meetings. During the draft. We like to have a production
1: meetings during the actual <laughs> show. That's
0: it'll be great. So yeah. look for it Thursday night. i will be great. It'll be great. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be tweeting it. Maybe a little Facebook element. We have a Facebook page. I think it's just the glue, guys. I should figure that out. Um, And thank you for listening. And then, thanks again, Spencer Dinwiddie, for coming on. Yeah, sensational,
1: sensational. Um, Okay, well, thanks, everybody. And have a great day and night and the rest of your lives. Bye.